RadioInfluence.com. Hello and good afternoon. Welcome to a solo edition of Dark to Light with Frank, quite frankly, filling in for Frank and Tracy. Tracy is indisposed today, and we are just going to do a little bit of a light news roundup. It's the first thing I'm doing since getting back from the Adirondacks. It is always a nice, nice way of getting a little bit of calm and contrast comparing to what life outside of the quiet of nature is like. So as you can imagine, I am in great distress being back in this hellhole. So, uh, that's where we are right now. Where's the world? Oh, I don't know. It's Columbus Day. Happy Columbus Day, and thank you, Christopher Columbus. And even all those out there who are protesting his existence should thank him as well, at least on the side, because if not for him, they would not be around to play with all these wonderful toys in a um, industrialized, civilized North America and beyond to be able to complain about their own existence. So, happy Columbus Day to you all. Let's go into some things that I wanted to do. I don't know, some just some quick hits. First of all, boy, Tracy's Mets really suck. They were dead in the water the whole weekend. I can't believe they actually forced a Game 3. How, how embarrassing. What was even more embarrassing was Mr. Met coming out with the, with the horn when you're down by four in the eighth inning, dancing around with a horn. And Buck Showalter disgracing himself. And I love Buck Showalter. And, I, and I've been, and I was rooting for the Mets, but geez. Jeez. Uh, anyway, anyway, more shenanigans coming out of New York. We can start with, uh, well, this is not necessarily out of New York. Actually, well, this one is. Let's go into New York City Mayor's office. This is on October 7th. New York City Mayor Eric Adams, who is pretty much just. Uh, uh, B- Black Cuomo speaks just like him. He's a dummy. I mean, they're just, they're just d- dummy cavemen. New York City's mayor has declared a state of emergency because of the thousands of migrants who have been sent from southern border states since since spring, saying the demand being put on the city to provide housing and other assistance is not sustainable. This is the most suspect thing I can think of because the city has been unsustainable in this this regard for a long time. So I'm thinking of the few thousand people that have shown up in the last couple of months. Uh, this is a way for this is a way for a dying city to really just uh, I don't know put blame on something and uh, and, and evade all responsibility for what's going on out there. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. And even even in his this state of just nonsense. They commit to the lie that we are talking about asylum seekers. They're just seeking asylum. Asylum seekers who have been bussed in over the past few months from other parts of the country. More than 17,000 asylum seekers, mostly from South America. Illegal immigrants, foreign nationals who must be, they must be immediately deported. Immediately deported. He can't go there because, of course, he knows that every last one of those people, they are a weapon in a war he has obviously pledged himself to. 
to a mission he has pledged himself to. But he is part of a very hackneyed PR um, PR operation, and that's it. So we're playing we're playing public relations wars. It's about looking good, avoiding looking bad, while at the same time perpetrating the greatest crimes against humanity that you can conceive of. Have been bused directly to New York City from our southern border since April of this year. Many of these asylum seekers don't know where they are going or what awaits them at the end of the line. Hundreds of buses have arrived in New York City. They don't know where they're, they're going or what awaits them at the end of the line. They're in the United States. Wherever they go, they're going to get hot meals. They're going to get uh, adoring media attention. Okay? You should be asking these questions prior to them coming to the country and doing something about them never being incentivized to try to make that trek. Because the real danger, the real not knowing if you're going to show up dead or alive, is in the trip to the southern border. Which there is not even a border. There's, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Since early September, we have seen an average of five to six buses per day. Cool. Cool, man. Really cool, cool story, Eric. Cool story. It, it's it's been a public, it's been a public story, for at least the last year now, that the federal government, along with local governments, in New York, have been flying in. Forget about buses. Flying in, first class by cover of nightfall in local, uh, local airports in Westchester and also in other states like Pennsylvania have been flying people, and that's a federal operation. Every plane that lands, you have three or four buses that show up to carry these people from Westchester Airport down King Street to Costco, which is a distribution station. Okay, They use Costco in Port Chester, New York, as a distribution station to take people by the busload to different parts of Westchester County. This is a federal operation. You think Eric Adams doesn't know of what the federal government, what he is, what he has partnered with, as a city, you know how easy it is to hide tens of thousands of new illegal immigrants inside of a city like New York. You got eight to ten million people living in New York City, between all five boroughs, and now because of a couple thousand over the last few months, they are at a breaking point. Bullshit, bull. That is nonsense. You want to see breaking point? Go to the small towns who only 15 years ago had 15, 20,000 people living in there that are now dealing with 65, 70,000 people, most of them unaccounted for. Yesterday, at least nine buses arrived. Oh my gosh. We expect to spend at least $1 billion by the end of the fiscal year on this crisis. Good. I, I, I hope that you completely run out of money. But then again... Then again, this is a man who is not accountable. This is a man who ha is surrounded by people, by a city councils who aren't accountable for actually being fiscally conservative. And that shouldn't be a dirty word. Anybody, whether you are a radical egalitarian nut job or a uh, you know a, a, an, a, an anarcho-capitalist, needs to be fiscally conservative to be able to survive, to be able to pay your bills, to stay under budget, to save a little, to think about the future. This guy doesn't have to do that. If you remember, 
Bill de Blasio, that, that big bird, doofy, kept man weirdo, Bill de Blasio was holding off on putting together his city budget with his staff for fiscal year 2022 or 2021. I forget. I think it was 2021. He was holding off until the January elections in Georgia for the Senate completed because he knows that based on the makeup of the Senate of the United States, which has nothing to do with cities, nothing to do with cities, New York City is beholden to nobody but itself and Albany. But this is the this is the world we live in, where Eric Adams is just a, a PR front for a, the, a, a, a such a, a vast network of theft, a billion dollars spent. Well, he can he he can he can uh, he can shoulder that because he has friends in the United States Senate that'll continue to funnel money. If they're sending tens, hundreds of billions and millions of dollars to Ukraine, oh please, Eric Adams got nothing to worry about. He's out there doing a job. So the real question is, I don't know what the real question is. It's just all nonsense. Uh, we have a little bit more of a, we have a little bit more on the on the Russia side of things. Of course, the United States continues to fund terrorism around the world, this time in Crimea. So Putin fired uh, big missile barrages across Ukrainian cities in, um, in response to the, the bridge getting blown. And of course, that's going to be all oh, Putin's a monster instead of war just being hell and us only really having one side of any story, the CIA side of any story, whenever it comes out. It's not a matter of rooting for one side or the other. I'm sure most people in this audience don't want war at all. But uh, that's what we're dealing with over there. I'll get into a lot more of that tonight on Quite Frankly, if you want to tune in at 7 o'clock. But a little bit more on the uh, the other front, uh, which is Biden, whoever the hell he is. Over the weekend, he pardoned thousands of convicted marijuana, um, where uh, marijuana possession people who were convicted for marijuana possession. But as, as, of course, as people started looking into it a little bit more, they started realizing that this is nonsense as well, because there's there was currently zero people in federal prison solely for simple possession of marijuana. And and most marijuana possession convictions occur at the state level. So there's nothing, it, this is absolutely nothing to, to, do, to be done with this. In his order, it says, not uh, it, no other offenses related to marijuana or other controlled substances can be pardoned for this. No other offenses. So it doesn't mean anything. You're not, you're not getting rid of people who are selling you're not. I mean, you're not getting people who were selling marijuana that's in that are in prison to leave. Nothing's being done with this. It's ridiculous. But people are nuts. They think that it's uh, it's great. He's doing great things. Think about how pathetic. I always say this. You think about the stuff that we have to deal with when it comes to I don't know one group fighting with the other, uh, one group trying to frame the other. A fake investigation here, a fake investigation there, and here we are sitting down trying to solve all these 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 crimes as well-read constituents, well-read citizens of a country. Here we are sitting in on shows like this, whether you're hosting or in the audience, 
and we're putting pieces together and we're trying to put names and places together and associations and, uh, and Nellie Orr and her and her uh, her ham radio licenses. That's just everything. Everything. We're assessing. We're, we're putting together character profiles for people like Peter Strzok. We are, we're just seeing the, the crap for what it is. We're putting it all together and we're being nice little detectives. Question is, why? Why are we doing this? Because it's just endless. All that government is are different factions of people using money that is not theirs to fight with opposing factions of people. And then we are left continuing to open up our wallets to all this stuff and spin our wheels in the mud trying to figure out who is, uh, you know, who, who who's going down, who's guilty. And, and nobody even goes down. Nobody's guilty. And this is the lesser side of things because we're not even talking about Democrats fighting Republicans. Then again, I, even in this way it is with the marijuana thing. This is just somebody, please, go out there and find something ridiculous Something ridiculous that I could sign that makes it look like I care, that makes it look like we are here to help people, that we are here to do things that are logical, and of course to help us in a month from now in an election that we have no business winning anything. Progressives, liberals, I hate using those two words because they actually have positive, positive connotations. But Democrats do not have any business winning local dog catcher elections. And this is the kind of thing that they put their energy to. Find something ridiculous. That means absolutely nothing. That's not going to help anybody. And let's put it out there and let our friends in the media whip up some headlines that'll 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 be good for us. That's what we're talking about here. Do you know, and I, I dug this up over the weekend, do you know that only 6,500 people approximately have been convicted of federal minor possession of marijuana since 1992, 6,500. None of them are in jail. So I started wondering myself, what does it actually take to receive federal jail time for nothing but simple possession? It must be like getting caught smoking a J on a national mall or something like that. I, I, I don't know. A national park? Did you throw a roach? Did you, did you smoke a J and then, you know, snuff it out and throw the roach into a into the brush of a national park? I, I, I don't know. So another useless extension of an olive branch to people who don't need it. There you have it. Uh, on the COVID end of things, Twitter, Twitter and PayPal had one hell of a week, didn't they? It continues with Twitter. Here's a headline. Twitter removes, then reinstates Florida Surgeon General's COVID vaccine warning tweet. Twitter appears to have pulled a PayPal. <laughs> That's uh, if you don't know, PayPal was caught. I don't know, even though it's, I guess, like sneakily putting it in there into their terms of service. That if you, a customer or a user of their platform, is caught by any of their watchdogs over there at PayPal making public statements or siding uh, politically with one thing or another that they do not approve of, that um, they have reserved the right. Just dip into your account and take up to $2,500 as a naughty boy tax. I don't I don't understand. Anyway, it got a lot of attention on them. They started backtracking furiously at one time, just deleting their entire terms of service page until they can come up with something that has been scrubbed 
of any of their uh, any of their their devious intent. But that's another story. That's another story. Maybe another story that we have for tonight, for seven o'clock. But Twitter appears to have pulled the PayPal and promptly reinstated the post in question after blowback on the social media site about censoring. As of about noon on the East Coast on Sunday, the tweet was once again showing up under Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo's feed. The, tw- the, uh, the feed, of course, uh, the headline said, Today we released an analysis on COVID-19 mRNA vaccines the public needs to be aware of. The analysis showed an increase of risk of cardiac-related death among men 18 to 39 years old in Florida. And it's a big, big increase. We're talking 84%. Earlier in the day, we reported that Twitter censored Florida Surgeon General Dr. Joseph Latipo's tweet about COVID vaccine study that the public needs to be aware of. It hasn't been a full 24 hours since Latipo's tweeted it out, and now the tweet is removed and replaced with a message from Twitter that reads, this tweet violated Twitter rules. It violated the Twitter rules, it said. Which rules that? Oh, telling the truth about something that Twitter's friends didn't like. And they provided a backlink that says learn more. So it'll tell you about, uh, just tell you about how now everything is fine and that teenagers aren't dropping dead all over the country right now. There was no explanation as to why the tweet was removed, though the backlink said that the content may contain disputed or misleading information. People will see if Democrats dispute something, then it's disputed. If Democrats accept something, then that's truth. And anybody who says it to the contrary, it's disputed. I guess that's the whole point of disputing something, right? Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's so much who has the upper hand in the disputing process. Who sets the gold standard for what is truth? Uh, in this case, I guess the truth is that people are being dis- harmed in disastrous ways, and Democrats are disputing that it's really not that bad. Or they're asserting that it's not that bad, I should say. People were furious on Twitter for big tech censorship of a government official. This woman, Christina Pushaw, says, Twitter censored Florida Surgeon General for sharing a Florida Department of Health study, part of which Lisa Marie Booth highlighted below. So Twitter hall monitors no more than a Harvard medical doctor and PhD. That's what it comes down to. A lot of people were really upset about this stuff. It's, and it's, it's disastrous. The new guidance came after Florida. Department of Health carried out an analysis evaluating vaccine safety. The department said in bulletin on Friday that statewide analysis of vaccinated Florida residents aged 18 years or older found an 84% increase in the relative uh, incidence of cardiac-related deaths among males 18 to 39 within 28 days of mRNA vaccination. I'm telling you, they're putting more lethal batches in red states. My opinion... Non-mRNA vaccines were not found to have these increased risks. As such, the state surgeon general recommends against males aged 18 to 39 from receiving mRNA mRNA COVID-19 vaccines and those with pre-existing cardiac conditions, such as myocarditis, pericarditis, should take particular caution when making this decision. Of course, any uh, any Democrat parent is going to take this as a need to go out and get vaccinated immediately. 
because they are the most insane people in the country right now. But they say no explanation was given. Well, the explanation is that Twitter is run by a very familiar bunch of evil people who pretend to be virtuous and kind, and they'd rather see an army of young Americans have their hearts deteriorate than admit something is disastrously wrong. And if you stand to benefit politically or monetarily from this, then you don't want to admit that something is disastrously wrong for other selfish reasons. But for most people, it's just pride at this point. Just pride. Don't want to get into that. And that's all we have to talk about it. Uh, on the other end, Twitter in general, where we have, hold on a second. Twitter in general, you should see the other admissions that are being made by people like this Ben Collins, this Ben Collins guy, who are completely freaking out because Elon Musk looks like he might be actually taking control of Twitter and doing one thing or another with it. It's not going to be a big fix, but it'll definitely be an improvement. And anything to shake up the system at this point is fine by me. I don't care. I'll sit back and I'll, I'll pop some popcorn and watch this thing take place. No doubt about it. Um, but here you have, here's a little bit from left-wing Twitter, Occupy Democrats, how they're how they are uh, freaking out about Elon Musk's plans going through. It's been a very weird back and forth, hasn't it? You know, um, going out and saying you, you can't take Twitter, you, you can't do this. Or first they were like uh, ignoring the fact that Musk was buying more and more shares. Then he had a seat at the table at the board meetings. Then he said, I'm going to buy the whole thing. Then they're not ignoring it anymore. They're screaming, they're writhing, and, and then there's this weird back and forth where you can't buy Twitter, I'm going to buy Twitter, you can't do it, okay, uh, well, I am I want to see all the, the bots and the spam and all that stuff. You have the board that approves it, the stockholders approve it, then they go and they show him the spam and the bots and all the other stuff in the background, he believes he's not being told the whole truth, then he doesn't want to take it. Then Twitter collectively screams, you must take it, and we're going to take you to court if you don't take us, if you don't buy us. And now he's back to, okay, I guess I'll take it, because he wants to avoid court. And they're saying, no, you can't take us. It's the, it's, it's just the abyss. The abyss is, is, it's, it's everywhere. It really is. It's all around us. But um, here's a little bit of what we've been seeing from the crazies. The crazies, the Occupy Democrats are absolutely insane. Breaking right-wing billionaire, right-wing billionaire. Elon Musk announces that he will move forward with his $44 billion deal to buy Twitter so that he can fix the website, which appears to mean letting Nazis, insurrectionists, and QAnon freaks run wild. Retweet if you oppose Musk's plan. Well, you can retweet all you want, and so will the Nazis and the insurrectionists. That's how free speech works, you crazy terrorist freaks at Occupy De Democrats. You're terrorists too, you know. Here's another one for Zaleski, Luke, Luke, Zaleski. The world's richest man taking over sole possession of global social media platform used by the world's journalists, scientists, governments, private citizens, businesses, religions, militaries, and health emergencies. And it's only Tuesday. Uh, who cares? Who cares? 
But for example, who cares? It's used by the, is he saying that certain journalists, scientists, governments, private citizens, businesses, religions, militaries, and health emergency services will not be able to use Twitter unless they create, they, they commit some kind of a crime. So you can see with these, these mentally ill people like Luke Zaleski, these mentally ill people from the get-go, they don't like the fact that only their brand of all of those people, scientists, government officials, private citizens alike, are going to be let back on. It's not that the it's going to be limited. The fact that the, the platform is going to be opened up is freaking people out for all the obvious reasons. All the obvious reasons. And it's because Twitter is no longer going to be able to silence people like the Florida uh, Health General. They're not going to be able to do that. Here's Ben Collins. Ben Collins, for those of you asking, yes, I do think that this site can and will change pretty dramatically if Musk gets full control. No, there's no immediate replacement. If it gets done early, though, based on people's aligned with, yeah, it could actually affect the midterms. Look, he's saying right there, Ben Collins, right off there on an October 4th thread, it will affect the midterms. So opening up the Internet will affect the midterms for Democrats. That's what's going on because they're not worried that Republicans are going to lose seats because if the internet is too free, then people will learn about the uh, you know the, the the how faulty conservative ideals and uh, uh, traditionally American ideals are compared to what we have to go for with the last hundred or so ideas with progressivism destroying everything, every institution creating institutions that should not exist. So it will affect the midterms. In whose favor? So they acknowledge that one major media platform has the power to influence things like elections and public perception on important issues. But the only problem they can see that they can possibly grasp is that it is going to be a little bit more of a centrist change, perhaps, which it wouldn't be centrist. It would actually be a lot more, it, it would swing things out toward toward the right a lot more because you're, you're letting in people who have not been allowed to talk freely. So yeah, there's going to be a much larger representation of people who are conservative. Historians, people who want to tell real history, they want to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, instead of just the ugly all the time because they think they can cash in on uh, you know, a, a, a grievance from 400, 500, 800 years ago right now in 2022. So uh, that's it. The only problem they see that is that it's going to be a little bit more of a, um, it's not going to be a radical leftist platform or not as much of a radical leftist platform. So now it went, it went from private platform to a global public square all over again. The minute the leftists were going to lose their monopoly on the platform, because that's the other thing that they said. It's a private company. Go form your own. Now it's a global public square again. A global public square that apparently, according to these mindless, mindless, crazy people, a global public square that should only responsibly serve one type of worldview. So even in their definition of global public square, it's not global and it's not public. It's just them. They are insanely dangerous people. They are never going to get less dangerous. 
You can't vote them away, that's for sure. You can't cure rabies. And that's all I have for you today. Uh, 29 minutes on the dot. I hope that you will join me tonight on Quite Frankly, which goes live at 7 p.m. on QuiteFrankly.tv. It's on Foxhole and for the time being YouTube. I don't know how that's still happening. But still, Rumble is the place that people have been going uh, more and more. Twitch, there's all these other things. I'm holding down the fort for Tracy until she gets back. And then next week, I believe that we are starting the live morning recordings of Dark to Light on the 17th. That's Monday the 17th at 8.30 a.m. So keep that in mind. I'll see you tonight at 7. And we'll talk about this and so much more. Good night and be well. This is a United Patriots uprising with Gary Benford Quick Fix on Radio Influence. There were only three senior White House officials who remained with President Trump from the start of his 2016 presidential campaign to the end of his first term in office. Peter Navarro was one of them. Your thoughts on why you wrote the book? Well, the book is a mission, Taking Back Trump's America. When I was writing the book, I didn't think it would be as critical as it is. But Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, um, and the Democrats running this country now are running it into the ground. We have uh, the worst economic crisis brewing um, in the last, I don't know, 60, 70, 80 years. It's brutal. We've lost control of our southern border, and we've basically allowed Putin and Xi Jinping and uh, North Korea and Iran now to begin to roam free, whereas during the Trump administration, uh, we had them in check. And this is all both very dangerous as well um, as something that's driving a lot of people literally into poverty. United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford is available for download on your favorite podcasting platform and RadioInfluence.com.